0: Folks, what an incredible weekend I had. I wanted to share it with you because it just reinforces how amazing sport is, how it can bring people together, regardless of religion, race. I mean, I can go on and on. I I just had a fascinating experience this weekend. And uh, the stories are, I mean, you, you just can't make it up. And it's why I love sports. It's why sports has been my life. It's why throughout... All of my years as a fan and as a broadcaster, there's just no substitute for what rooting for a team or being a part of a fan base. And I can go on and on, and I'm going to to give you some examples. But it is really the beauty and the essence of sport. Today's podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools For your family jewels. And Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Hey, you can join the movement for all of your below the waist grooming needs. And the Manscaped engineering team, they're awesome. And I wanna talk to you about the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade, it reduces grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Now, if you're listening and you're like, no, trust me on this. You are going to love it. I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES. N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Throughout my life, I've had a bucket list of sports. You know, I've had a bucket list with sports, okay? Uh, Growing up as a kid, I said if the Giants ever made it to the Super Bowl, I would be at the Super Bowl. I was, January 25th, 1987. I said, if the Rangers ever won a Stanley Cup in my life, I would be there. I was blessed to be there. Game seven, Madison Square Garden, 1994. Same thing with the Yankees, although I I have never been at a Yankee game where they've clinched a championship, but I've been to some amazing, amazing games. Uh, I always wanted to go to a game at Duke, at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I did that uh, a couple of years ago. I always wanted to go to a basketball game at Allen Fieldhouse in the Kansas Jayhawks. I did that two years ago. And if you've listened to me over the years, one of the things I've always wanted to do was go to an SEC game in Alabama, an SEC game at Baton Rouge on a Saturday night, and I want to go to the Grove at Ole Miss and watch a game there. Those are the three bucket list items I have In college football. Now, when I worked before I moved to California uh, back in Illinois, I covered the Big Ten. And when I was there, the Illinois football team was actually pretty good. And so, you know, all the big games and leading up to that was an incredible experience and something that I'll never forget. But this past weekend, I had a friend from California uh, come visit me. As many of you uh, know, I've relocated to Florida, and he's a diehard Alabama fan. Uh, he was in Atlanta for the SC Championship, SEC Championship. He went to Dallas last weekend uh, for the uh, Alabama-Notre Dame game, and he's here. And uh, he's gotten to know quite a few people uh, from Tuscaloosa and other Bama fans. So he gets here on Friday night. He goes, I can't wait for you to meet uh, my buddy who's flying in from Tuscaloosa. So Daryl and my friend and me, we go out to dinner on Friday night. Daryl is 51, went to Alabama, graduated in either 91 or 92. I can't remember. But we talk about the beauty of sport. And to get a little insight into a fan base. And Daryl told me this story. And he said, I- I've got some people that we're hopefully going to go out to dinner with on Sunday night. And he said, you are going to love these people. You're going to just love them. They are the greatest people. You are, you are just going to love them. And I said, I can't wait. I, I I can't wait. And he goes, their son plays for Alabama. And I go, oh, great. He goes, their son is Jordan Battle. He's a starting safety for Alabama. And he goes, you're not going to believe how I met these people. I said, okay, well, I, I, I love stories. So in 2018, Alabama's playing Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl uh, in the college football playoff. And he's out in the parking lot. And he sees this car driving around trying to find a space, but there were no spaces except for where they were all standing. They were like basically covering up a space. So he runs down this car and says, come park here. We got a space. Come park here. Well, out of the car is Fred and Tessa Battle. Now understand, Daryl doesn't know who Jordan Battle is. Jordan Battle is still in high school. Uh, They start talking. and they just either exchange, I don't know how they maintained that bond. I, I I didn't get that part of the story, but but the part that is fascinating to me is that Jordan ended up committing to Ohio State. He went to a high school in Fort Lauderdale and he went and committed to Urban Meyer and Ohio State. And then all that stuff happened with the Ohio State Buckeyes. And uh, after giving it some thought, he, Changed his mind and ended up going to Alabama. So this guy, Daryl, has his condo is literally a block from the football stadium in Alabama. From his balcony, you see the whole stadium. So Jordan ends up going to Alabama. And I guess this guy's got a a ritual before every game where a, a lot of people come to his condo and... You know, it's pretty amazing some of the people that have been to his condo and, and and the pregame party and everything else. Well, he ends up developing a friendship with Jordan's parents. And he ends up meeting Jordan at his condo as a freshman. And he relays the story. He came in, he's 175 pounds. And he says to Fred and Tessa, Jordan's parents, he goes, listen, I'm just telling you, they're going to put 30, 30 pounds on him. And he said, he said, his mom goes, oh, no, no, he's going to lose his feet. He's like, no, 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 don't worry. He's not going to lose his feet. And so he's telling that story. And again, I'm going to fast forward now to Sunday. Okay. So we're at dinner on Sunday. Now it's not just me my friend from California and Daryl. There are four other prominent Alabama fans. And it was just fascinating to hear their stories and what it meant to be an Alabama fan. One of the guys said, As a, when I was growing up, I wanted to be 6'3", because Bear Bryant was 6'3", and I was praying that I would end up to be 6'3", just like Bear Bryant. They were sharing stories. Uh, when Daryl was in college, there was another uh, gal at the table who also was at Alabama at the same time. When Bear Bryant died, they called all the students into the uh, basketball arena, And told them that Bear had passed away. And then he was telling me about the funeral procession. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands thousands of people had pulled their cars over to the side of the road and standing on the side of the highway to get one last look at Bear uh, as he was laid to rest. And, you know, these are the type of stories that they they were telling me. And I was just kind of, you know, just like, wow, wow, wow. So anyway, Sunday night, we go to this Italian restaurant. And there are eight of us. And Fred and Tessa were the last two to get there. So they get there and Daryl gets up and gives Tessa a huge hug, gives Fred a huge hug. Uh, I meet them and we start talking. And they're just the nicest people in the freaking world, just down to earth, good people, just really enjoy talking with them. And I said to Fred, I go, hey, I'm just curious about this. And they, by the way, another thing that blew me away, not that, and I'm not making this about me, because you know how much I love sports. They all knew about me. Like these people I had never met before. I'm talking about Daryl I had never met, the other folks that are huge Alabama fans, never met, never met until this weekend. They all knew about what happened to me. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But anyway, so I start talking to Fred and Tessa. And I said to Fred, I go, let me ask you something. I go, around what age did you realize that Jordan could be a real special athlete? And he laughed. He said, about two or three. I said, come on. He said, no. He goes, you know, you could start playing youth football at six or seven. And when Jordan was three, he would run over and start tackling the other kids that were playing football that were six and seven. And he said, you couldn't play football until you were six or seven, but you you could join the track team. And he said that Jordan, I put Jordan in the track and the coach comes up to me and says, Jordan's a very special athlete. We've got him running in the 800 meter <laughs> run. And I'm just like, wait a minute, you have a four-year-old son and he's doing the 800? I go, come on. He goes, yeah, that's what I thought. He said, so we kind of knew at an early age that, that Jordan was going to be very special. So I we started talking about him Agreeing to go to Alabama, or excuse me, Ohio State, then then going to Alabama, and his mom was telling me what that process was like, and we we just started talking about, you know, how amazing it's been to watch Jordan, who's now a sophomore, and ended up starting four games as a freshman, and now starts every game for Alabama, and that game, by the way, is tonight as I'm recording this, and I'm I'm so blessed that I've been asked to go to the game, not by them, but by some of the other Alabama folks uh, that I met, but. I was just thinking as I'm talking to them how messed up we are in this country right now. Everything that happened at the Capitol last week, all right, and everything that's been going on with social social justice and, and, and everything else in this country. And how when I had Dusty Baker on a couple of weeks ago, right, and Dusty talked about going from California as a black man into the deep south, and he shared some of the stories. And I said, okay, Dusty, let's fast forward to 2020. And where do things stand now? And he said, you know, I still see You know, a lot of the same problems. And then he said, I also see, you know, a lot of improvement in areas. But I'm just thinking about this story as we're all sitting at this table that Randy, or excuse me, Daryl, 51 year old, and I hate to say this, white guy from Tuscaloosa, goes over, runs down this car and says, We got a parking place here if you need it. And out of the car, Fred and Tessa okay, a black couple that he doesn't know. They end up staying in touch. Their son goes from Ohio State, says, nope, I'm not playing there anymore. Coaching staff, the uncertainty, I'm going to play for Alabama. They have developed this special close bond. I mean, think about that. The night before the national championship game in Miami, as the Bama football team is staying at a hotel on South Beach, they're like, we're going to go out to dinner with Daryl and his other friends. I now consider Daryl a friend, and I believe we're going to be lifelong friends because we share a lot of the same values and the same craziness and love for sports and our teams. But as I'm sitting there talking to Fred and Tessa, I'm just thinking, why is it so hard in this country to all come together, we have, three years ago, Daryl and the battles were complete strangers. But because of one small token of appreciation and a small deed, come park here, all right, token of appreciation, I said it wrong, but just a deed, come park here, they've developed an unbelievable bond. There's genuine love between the battles and Daryl and I'm sitting at this table and I'm talking to Fred and Tessa and I kid you not, I felt like I had known them for a long time. You know, just the the bond we had and I, I said, Fred, you know, who's your favorite bo- football team? Miami goes, I was, and then I became a diehard San Francisco fan and I started telling him how I covered the 49ers at training camp in Rockland where the 49ers trained when Bill Walsh was the coach. And I told him I did some games at the stick when I was doing the Raider games on TV for five years. And we just started talking about all of those great 49er teams. And it was was just a fascinating, fascinating evening. So I'm going to go back to this. Think about just, you know, doing something nice for somebody. Doesn't matter whether they're, uh, you know, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, And think about what offering someone a parking place did for the battles, what it did for Daryl, and the friendship and the bond that now will be a lifelong bond. And there's absolutely no doubt, after looking and doing research on Jordan, that he's probably going to end up being a first-round draft pick in two years when he comes out of Alabama. And something else that happened this weekend, I got a chance to talk to a lot of the the Alabama fans and some of them at our dinner table some that I met when we were out and about and their their knowledge they're not just fans they're literally talking about games that played in the mid 90s on a third and eight or a block punt or an interception you know or you know Cornelius Bennett playing with you know with Thomas and and at that defense and how just you know, unbelievable it was. And they were talking about Thomas in a game, had three sacks, a fumble recovery, an interception in a game where they won eight to six against Penn State. And I just, I love listening to these stories because it reminds me of growing up and I've shared the story when the Yankees were playing the Kansas City Royals in 1976, it was the first year of the remodeled Yankee Stadium. It ended up being the famous Chris Chambliss home run that ended up sending uh, the Yankees to the World Series and they were later swept by uh, Sparky Anderson and the Cincinnati Reds, for zip But I remember, you know, you talk about the love and the passion. I could tell you every single thing about the Yankees, every player. I mean, I, everything. Just like, you know, again, f- talking about Alabama. And I remember the Yankees had a 3 o'clock game against Kansas City, and my friend Gary McTagg, we called him Tigger. He goes, man, I got tickets to the Yankee game. I go, like, oh, get out of here. And I went up to the line coach of the football team. His name was DJ, Fred Dijon. I said, DJ, is today an offensive day or a defensive day? Because I only play defense. They called me a Strictly. He goes, no, it's an offensive day. I go, okay. I go, DJ, man, I'm not going to be at practice today. He goes, what do you mean you're not going to be at practice today? I go, DJ, listen, I got tickets to the Yankee game. I have to go to the Yankee game. He goes, all right, go to the Yankee game. So me and Tigger get on the Long Island Railroad, and we get to Yankee Stadium at about 1 o'clock for a 3 o'clock game. You know, we went to a couple of classes in the morning, and then we bolted. And the Yankees end up losing that game, but they end up winning the the, the series against Kansas City. That was the Chris, as I said, the Chambliss home run game. So anyway, I get back and I go into uh, school the next day, and I go to my locker where all my football equipment is and everything to go put some of my books in there, and my locker is empty. The whole thing's empty, and now I'm sweating bullets all day. I'm like, oh my god, you know, I'm a senior. It's my last year. I'm starting defensive lineman and my locker is empty and so make a long story short John Miller Jay he he had played a joke on me he was the coach and uh, they they said nope you're off the team and they went pretty far with this nope if you're not if you're not committed to this team because you think that just because you play defense and it's an offensive day and uh Napes you're done you're you you're off the team and I really thought I was off the team I really did but they were just playing a joke on me and you know, I was at practice that day and everything was fine. But, you know, I would talk about being, you know, the, like these folks that, you know, like Daryl went to Alabama in the early 90s. He's been to every single championship game, okay? Every single one since he's been in school. Doesn't miss it. Goes to every road game. And I'm just going, wow. And I remember being, and I, I relate to that. I mean, anyone that knows me knows that I would fly home whether I was before I got to California or when I was in California for Giants games all the time. And I would get on a red eye. Okay. Out of Sacramento and I'd get on JetBlue or American through Dallas. And I wouldn't even have anything with me. I would walk on the plane. I would fly all night. I would land at Kennedy. I would get on the, the long Island railroad, go into the city Then get to the Meadowlands, meet my brother there, go to the game. Then I'd get a taxi or some ride to either get me to Newark because Newark had the flight that got me back to California or I would go to JFK and I would walk into my house around midnight. 24-hour trip just to go to a game. I remember being in L.A. doing a Lakers game on a Saturday night and the Giants were playing the Rams on a Sunday it was a playoff game. It was the Flipper Anderson running into the end zone in overtime. And I had to be in Portland Monday night. I did the game in L.A. I took a red eye. I flew in to Kennedy. Same thing. Met my brother. Flew from Newark to San Francisco nonstop. Flew from San Francisco to Portland. Walked into the Red Lion Hotel in Portland, Oregon at about 1.30 in the morning. And that was the Flipper Anderson game, and I get on the plane at Newark, and I'm I'm literally not a I mean I'm a mess, all right. And they 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 had the actual game. I mean the the, the game was on the the post game show was on getting ready for the next game, and uh, it was halftime of the next game, and I'm watching some of the highlights, and there was a very questionable call before the Flipper Anderson on Terry Kennard of the Giants, and they made the wrong call, which set up the the touchdown. And I'm so pissed and I'm so upset, I think I walked the entire way to San Francisco. I couldn't sit down. I was pacing the aisles for five freaking hours going back and forth because I could not sit down. But again, I talk about the beauty of sport and the essence of sport. And I've been around Kansas, you know, Scott Pollard, and I got a chance to go to Lawrence and experience the Kansas fans. And I got a chance to see what it was like to go into a Duke game. But I got to tell you, after being around these Alabama fans this weekend, not only are they just fans, but they have a they have a real history. And they, they, they know players from the 80s, the 90s. They know scores. They know situations. They know all the defensive coordinators, offensive line coach. It was a fascinating experience for me. Fascinating to be around these people this weekend. And oh yeah, by the way, as I'm taping this on Monday, I'm going to the game tonight. And I don't deserve to be going to the game. I really wish that they would have given the ticket to somebody that was a true Alabama fan. But I couldn't say no. Just their hospitality and the way they treated me this weekend. But the highlight for me this past weekend has been getting to meet and get to know Daryl. But meeting the battles. Because it reinforces to me What I've always tried to preach, what I've tried to preach on this podcast, what I've always tried to do, and I'm not trying to be self-serving here, but you know what? Screw it. If I have to be self-serving, then that's what the hell we're going to do here, okay? I've always said, there's too much complaining in in our country. There's too much bitching, and there's too much negativity, and there's too many people that do all of those things, but don't do anything to make the world better. All right, and that's why I was so proud of my foundation because we changed young people's lives. Black people, Hispanic, Asian, Caucasian, doesn't matter to me. We changed young people's lives. Yeah, it took work. Yes, it took effort. Yes, it took a lot of time. But when you can change somebody's life, like I read on a recent podcast, a message that I got on Twitter, a direct message, from a listener of this podcast and they had listened to my interview with Sean Salisbury. And I read, I read what he said on a recent podcast. How listening to that podcast. And again, I don't know this for sure. I'm only going by what he said, but he said in his message that he had pretty much given up all hope. I don't know if that means suicide. I don't know what that means. But he said after listening to Sean's experience with Russell and how that changed Russell's life and how that changed Sean's life, that he had found renewed hope, okay, that he now had light at the end of the tunnel, that just by listening to that one interview, it changed his life. And he's reunited with family and loved ones. And he's now hopefully heading into a better period of time. Because let's face it here, all right? We're naive if we think this, if we if, if we don't realize this. There's a lot of people that are hurting right now in this country. There are a lot of people that have lost everything, all right? They've lost their jobs. They've lost family members that have perished because of COVID. There are the elderly that can't have visitors, that are, you know, suffering big-time mental health issues and depression. And we can go on and on. And you're naive if you don't think there's a problem with race relations in this country, because there is. And if you turn your head the other way, then shame on you, all right? Because if we all come together, we can make this country a better place. And for me, on a Sunday night, to be sitting at a dinner table with Fred and Tessa Battle and to be able to just exchange stories about their son and growing up in Fort Lauderdale and the comfort and the genuine affection with with everything in their lives and they were genuinely interested in my life, to have Daryl and again reinforce how one simple gesture One simple token, one simple, hey, come over here, formed, this bond. And it doesn't matter whether you're white or black or whatever. I mean, think about that. How simple and how gratifying that one gesture turned out to be. And again, I don't know what to expect when I go to the game tonight. I will talk about it on my next podcast, but this weekend... Just once again reinforced. And maybe sport is the only thing that can do it right now. I don't know the answer to that question. But I will ask you this. What else, other than a horrific national tragedy, like a 9-11, what else in this country can bring people together like sport? I've talked about this so often. You walk down the street, you're a 49er fan, a Raider fan, Dodger fan, whatever the case may be. You have a shirt on, a hat, a jersey. and You see someone with the same colors, the same hat, same, and you'll say, hey, man, how you doing? Or you might even strike up a conversation. Or if you're on a train or if you're on an airplane or you're we're at a restaurant, you'll strike up a conversation. But if that person has on... If you're a Dodgers fan and they got a Giants jersey, you're probably not even going to look at them or you might say something, you know, jokingly. But my point is, you know, you're not going to... What else can bring people together like sport? And for me, I got to tell you, it was on full display this weekend. This is one of the best weekends that I've had in a long time. Learning so much about the Alabama fan base, getting to know the battles, and have genuine knowledge of a fan base and their support for the team. Fascinating to me. Just fascinating. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. For all of your home loan needs, just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. Whether you're refining, maybe you're, you know, starting a home loan. Don't forget, I got a nice email from a listener of the podcast that they called Roy for their estate planning. Roy can do a lot of things for you. Just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. Dot com. All right, time now for our Q&A on CrowdQuestion. Just go to CrowdQuestion.com. Sign up. It takes a minute. You can follow me. They do a great job posting all of my podcasts and my rants. And again, we do a Q&A on every podcast. So just go to CrowdQuestion.com. Andrew, lots of talk about trading Bagley in the news. Good or bad idea? Marvin Bagley's playing so badly right now. I don't know who would want him. So... Whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, he's in his third year, and his defense is putrid. Uh, Offensively, he's having trouble finding himself. I said this on New Year's Eve when I did a rant, and I'm going to say it here, in the middle of January. I think his dad has just destroyed his confidence. I think his dad has been a major distraction for him. And Marvin Bagley is being affected, in my opinion, greatly by his father's actions. What an absolute shame. Uh, Christian wants to know, did you ever have the pleasure of meeting Tommy Lasorda? Not meeting him, but interviewing him in a group setting uh, at Bush Stadium in the mid-80s when the Dodgers and the Cardinals were playing in the National League playoffs So, and some other settings. But no, I never had a chance to meet him personally. But if you go back and listen to my podcast with Mickey Hatcher and you go back and listen to my podcast with Dusty Baker... Uh, They spend a lot of time on my podcast talking about Dusty and the impact that Dusty had uh, on their lives. Tony wants to know, have you heard what Dave Portnoy and Barstool are doing with BarstoolFund.com? I want to give them a shout out. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Raising money for small businesses that have been affected by the pandemic. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, Again, there there are people that talk the talk, and there are those that walk the walk and what are you doing to make your community better? What are you doing to make your life better? I talked about that with Sean Salisbury on our recent podcast. There, Listen, we all need to come together. Make your community better. Do something to help out uh, your fellow man, strangers, friends, whatever the case may be, all right? Just do it. Absolutely do it. Uh, Grant wants to know, hey, Grant, did you get the chance to see the Saints broadcast on Nickelodeon It's pretty neat to watch with the kids. I did not watch it, but I did see some of the video highlights on Twitter. And I think that's a great idea because if it brings the younger generation into enjoying the sport, then yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's great. All right. Ken wants to know why do you think Greg Popovich got so politically charged? Pop is a guy that says what he believes, he's not afraid. Of what you think of him, he doesn't care what you think of him. And I know a lot of folks in San Antonio and South Texas are tired of it. I know it's hurt the attendance at Spurs games. I've been told that by some very high-ranking San Antonio officials. Pop doesn't care. What you see with Pop is what you get. And I had a chance in 2007 to spend a week with Greg Popovich in Serbia. I was at dinner with him every night. We were on long train rides together. He's a fascinating, fascinating person. And that was one of the most enjoyable weeks of my life, getting to know Pop. We were there for Vladi Divac's uh, retirement, and it was a week-long festival. It was a great, great, just a phenomenal week. But uh, getting to know Pop, getting to talk to Pop, uh, Pop's going to tell you what he thinks. And that's just the way it is. Uh, Mickey wants to know, will LaMelo be a better player than Lonzo? Too early to say. Too early to say. Dalton wants to know, who's the greatest men's tennis player of all time in your opinion? Well, that's a great question. I'd have to say Roger Federer. First of all, you got to be able to play on all four surfaces. you got to be able to win on all four. He did that, even though one French Open. But in my lifetime, and I've seen some great tennis players. I used to go to Forest Hills when they had the U.S. Open on grass there, and I saw Ely Nastasi play, and I saw Jimmy Connors and Chris Everett play as teenagers. I mean, I used to, I mean, I'm a big tennis fan. I've watched McEnroe, I've watched Borg. I mean, but to me, I'd have to say Roger Federer. Hey, good questions. If you want to ask me a question, just go to crowdquestion.com. It's time for Rant, 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 Rant. Rant. Hey, today's rant is brought to you by New Works Plumbing. Of Sacramento. Locally owned for 20 years. Let Newworks Plumbing take care of all of your plumbing needs. Their expert technicians are available 24 7. So if, uh, God forbid, at 3 in the morning you have an emergency, just get in touch with Newworks Plumbing. They'll take care of it for you. They're awesome. Hey, for all of your plumbing needs and repairs, just go to Newworks Plumbing.com. N E W W R X Plumbing.com. That's N E W W R X Plumbing.com. Would someone please tell me what's the deal? with Kyrie Irving, all right? He's on personal leave from the team. There's been a source that said it has to do with what happened at the Capitol last week. I mean, this is the guy that thinks the, the, uh, the earth is flat. This is a guy that didn't show up for a game last week, didn't bother calling Steve Nash or the organization. Why is it that organizations continue to allow this? Why? Now, I don't know the real story behind Kyrie Irving's absence. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and hope that it's serious. Okay, but if it's because of what happened at the Capitol last week, that's inexcusable. All right. I see everybody else going to work. All right. I see people going to wait at restaurants and go work at grocery stores and go work at gas stations. All right. And go work uh, to drive buses and cars and fly airplanes and sell insurance. And I can go on and on. Oh, Oh, by the way, I see all the other players in the NBA going to work, too, but not Kyrie Irving. If it's true that he's not going to work, that he's AWOL because he's calling it a personal reason because of what happened at the Capitol last week, you know what? This guy is messed up. And again, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt somewhat until I find out what the real reason is. But what happened last week where he didn't show up for the game and didn't call and didn't give a reason? Uh Uh-uh. I'm not giving him a pass on that. This guy is messed up. And I've said this, I've never been a Kyrie Irving fan. And yeah, I respect the fact that he was great when they won a championship against the Warriors, but I wouldn't want this guy on my team. And I said that before Brooklyn signed him. I, I am not a fan of this guy. I'm, I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan of somebody that is just high maintenance all the time. And it, it just seems to me you got to bend over backwards for this kid. I don't like that. I, I really don't. I'm tired of seeing teams kiss his ass. I don't understand it. I really don't. It, it, it just, it. you know what? It turns me away. It gives me a sour taste for the league when I see stuff like this. And, again, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I think you have to. But with everything else that's gone on with Kyrie Irving, it's just always something with him. You know, it, it, it's never easy. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. It's never easy with Kyrie Irving. It's always something. Just awful. I wouldn't want him on my team. If I'm a general manager of an NBA team, I'm sure as hell not going out and trying to get Kyrie Irving. I can tell you that right now. Not happening one damn bit. And that's my rant for today. Hey, thank you for allowing me to share my weekend. I just think it's the beauty of sport. And really, in society, I think we can learn lessons from sport and carry them over into society and make our country a better place. But hey, it's going to take a little effort. You got to make the first move. Try to make someone's life better. It's really not hard. You know, make that a a New Year's resolution. Try to make somebody's life better. Do it. It's not hard. Folks, have yourself a great day. As always, check out my video rant on YouTube if you don't like that with Grant Napier. I really appreciate when you subscribe. I love it when you give me a thumbs up. And when you leave a comment, I always do my best to get back to you. Hey, again, thank you so much for listening. If you don't like that, Grant Napier.